This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Welcome, welcome, welcome everyone to Bold Women on the Move. We're so glad to be in your space once again on another episode of Bold Women on the Move. And um, I would like to give a big shout out to you if you are out there and you've been faithfully following us, especially on I Am Rosemary. This is my story. If you have been faithfully listening up to this episode, I'm sure you realize that um, in the last episode we had, which was episode seven, I announced that that was the last episode. Well, well, I apologize. I was shocked to see that after that episode, that wasn't the final one. There is another story, same same story by uh, Rosemary. I think um, I must sincerely apologize because there was a mix-up um, in the way I stored the file, so I wasn't able to really know that there was more. So I'm pleased to announce to you because, in fact, these last two parts will be listening to one now and then the next time we'll have the last episode. I promise you that's actually will be the final episode. Um, interesting. And it actually portrays and shows the theme of a bold woman on the move. Other forms of migration challenges that Rosemary um, encounter. And um, how did she eventually get residency? You know, where um, she migrated to um, in Europe, um, somewhere in Europe, uh, Finland specifically. Interestingly, uh, Rosemary had contacted us before the end of this episode and she has told us that we are free to mention some specific about our story. So um, if you were wondering if it was a tale, no. It wasn't a tale. It wasn't a make-believe. It is a real story. And this happened to a woman migrating to Finland, um, in, uh, migrating from Nigeria in Africa to Finland in Europe. But this other part, you know, some issues comes out from uh, the today's episode, which is episode eight, that actually touches my heart, and that is the issue of um, disability. Um, I mean, I'm not gonna let the cat out of the bag. I'll just give you time to listen and. Um, I'll say learn, I'll say enjoy, I'll say empathize with another aspect of Rosemary's story today. Happy listening. My son's health issues actually started from the night where he screamed at night while he was sleeping and uh, he just stopped talking. He was a baby, fine, but like no sound at all. He didn't make any sound from that moment onwards. And whenever he wanted to request for something like food or maybe use the bathroom and like when he 
couldn't express himself. He got angry. He was always crying. People got to, you know, usually when a child cries, people get worried and like, why is this child crying? But the reverse was my case because on the day my son doesn't cry, people are like, is this child still alive? Why is he not crying? So it was that bad. So I moved to my son anyway. I've had my second son at that time. And um, I mentioned earlier that I was ill. I went to the hospital because um, it was my second caesarean. And it was also an emergency caesarean. And they told me like, the second one was a bit complicated. And they told me not to like do certain things. I shouldn't squat. I should avoid in trying to bend down. Like I should do less. Now, this is me in a foreign land, no relative. And um, about a month, less than a month after I had my second son, I was transferred from the city to a different place entirely. Now, the language spoken in that country is different. It's nothing compared to any other language. So it's not something like you even have an idea of previously. So I moved to another new city, no family, no friends, nobody. I started doing things all by myself. And um, I remember one of these days I bent, uh, attend to my son and it was like the force or maybe the weight I put over the spots where I had the incision, where I was caught mm. during the caesarean. It ruptured. So wow. my, my my scars, or should I say my incisions opened. Opened up. And yeah, it opened up. I actually saw, honestly, like it was really bad. I saw my inter- internal organs. Like wow. the first and the second layer ripped. Wow. Yeah, it, I was alone in the room with the children because like it was like a room self-contained. We have a toilet, a mm. bathroom, the kitchen inside just one, should I say, uh, four by four. It was really small, but it was just for I and the kids. I had to go outside the door, scream, and somebody called the social worker and I was taken to the hospital. Yeah, I was stitched up and um, I came back. Actually, I was supposed to stay longer in the hospital. I think I came back the yeah, same I was, day. I was trying to ask, in the first instance, you know, since you didn't have that help in a foreign country, but I was also yeah. thinking, you know, some sometimes some policies around, um, you know, women that have just arrived, um, the health system may not be able to provide extensive service to you since you don't have a status yet yeah. um, in the country, you know. But, um, um, they actually called in somebody to hold my kids and and as usual my son was really crying my first son was crying really bad because you you don't really know what he wants like he mm. tries to express himself he can't like no sound he gets frustrated he's crying it's really challenging taking care of him alone let alone when uh, there's a newborn and also him I came back that evening I think late evening and um uh, I had to I had to stay with my children and of course I couldn't sit on the bed all day. I had a son I was breastfeeding. I had the other one I had to attend to. My wounds didn't heal properly. So I had issues. Uh, they sent the a nurse. Now we have a nurse from the, we have a nurse that comes around to see us. We have a nurse in the center there, but I got some people say like they are not real nurses. Like maybe they're just like uh, auxiliary nurses that just have experience. But later on, 
uh, years gone by when I had the opportunity to go to school there, I really noticed they didn't really know what they were doing. They were just guessing most times. They were just guessing. You mean the ones that were in the asylum? We had just one. Were they like support workers and not trained nurses? They were not trained or were they just support workers, you know, just workers. You know, sometimes support workers like have work in a hospital environment. Yeah, you know, like so they glean the the knowledge, but they are not professional, healthcare professional in that regard. They are not professional. Yeah, so the level of knowledge would not be as that of a trained nurse. No, they are not registered nurses, no. I was still having issues there, yeah, and they placed me on constant antibiotics. So when I gave birth, then um, about a month, about a month or six weeks, I called my siblings one of those days just to say hello. Yeah, I think it was, yeah, it was in January. So I called them to just wish them a happy new year. And I wanted to speak to my dad. And they were like, um, he's sleeping. Uh, my dad doesn't usually sleep like in the afternoon. I know him for years. He doesn't sleep during the afternoon. And they're like, he's sleeping. Anyway, two days later, they called to inform he's passed on. Wow. Yeah, my dad passed on. Yeah, they didn't want to tell me then because they asked me, are you alone? I said, I said yes. Initially, uh, when I called to wish them a happy new year, they told they asked me if my siblings asked me if I was alone. I said yes. So they just told me my dad was sleeping. But on the second day, when they called again and asked if I was alone, I said no. There were some like people from the camp. They just came to my room just to say hello. And mm. that's when they broke the news to me. Honestly, I just passed out on the floor. Wow. Luckily, I had people there. Wow. Yeah, I felt so bad that my my dad was gone. Despite everything, he was still my dad. He's and still your dad. Honestly. Yeah, still your dad. Yeah. yeah. And honestly, I wished I had had this opportunity. All I wanted from my dad was just this father-daughter relationship. You know, the opportunity to talk to your dad when you're going through issues, mm. when you just pick up the phone, hello, dad, things like that. Yeah, that daughter-father relationship, I'd always longed for it. So when when I was told my dad had passed on, I, I cried because I knew we were not going to see again and mm. I was not going to have that relationship again. So I, I felt so pained, honestly. I felt really bad. I felt really bad. You were even away from home. You know, with the fact that you are away from home, you probably may not be able to attend his burial. I couldn't go for his burial. And morning, yeah, you have two kids Mm. that you're looking after. You're in a new country, in an asylum, trying to sort yourself out. All those things Mm. are the ones things that had to the pain, you know, all those thoughts, all those circumstances surrounding the deaths, you know, and the fact that the way treated you. was no WhatsApp. Yeah. So I couldn't make a video call. These days where you can make a video call and like see everybody, I, I didn't have the opportunity to do that. So I didn't really see anybody. Uh, it was just hearing their voices. I, I really felt bad. I honest, At this point, I'll just say the reason why I got married was not because I loved him. No, I thought I could get somebody to replace what I didn't get from my dad. So I had longed for that father-daughter relationship and I didn't get it from my dad. 
that. So I felt that when I got married, I was going to have this sort of relationship, like to cover the pains of what wasn't there. I felt the man was going to replace all that. But obviously I was wrong. Mm. I was wrong. Six months, about six months after I gave birth, there was this day we were in church and like... It's not an English-speaking church, so these people don't... We don't know each other, but some of us in the camp there, we're Christians, I mean, real Christians. So we come together once in a week. We have this prayer meeting. We just pray concerning anything. If you have a prayer point, like a prayer request, you can just, just tell them. We just pray for the country, pray for our siblings back home. We pray for everything, our children, things like that. There was this, like, there was a prophecy that came that there's a woman here she's uh she's been waiting for something and god said that which you are waiting for is not yours just move ahead honestly i opened my eyes then i looked around all the people there in that prayer meeting that evening had been granted the right to stay it was just me and i had just gotten my deportation later then that same month so i was broken like God, is this it? You got your what? A like, deportation letter? Oh. Yes. They had first yes. considered your case. And oh. Yes. The, 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 they had already taken the decision. Immediately, mm. like, within a month, but they wanted me to give birth. They didn't want issues. Because I noticed that the, the nurse at a particular time was asking me what type of birth I had the first time. Was there any complications? Which I, I did say yes. So like they held the the response from the immigration. They didn't want to give it to me because they didn't want to like be held responsible for anything that comes after that. So they held my decision for like six months. And so when the prophecy came, uh, it was like the same month um, I got my response from the immigration. So I was really broken. But something happened later on. This same person that gave the uh, revelation. Sorry, did you think that word you heard at the fellowship was relating to your immigration issue? Was that what you thought it was? Exactly. I, I thought uh, that was the... Uh, okay, so that yeah, was why you were like, more discouraged because you thought it meant you should go yeah. back home, right? Exactly. And it was the coincidence was just so, just so much. I think about less than two weeks interval. And I looked around. I was the only one without documents. So I just felt, oh my God, so this is it. This is it. I have to go and stuff. It wasn't there then. Uh, I, I put to bed that, okay. that I got my deportation later. No, it was a six months. Yeah, but the date on it read a month after I went to seek asylum. Oh, so they right. kept it for that long. It was almost two years. So you okay, were, you were still in the asylum. You were trying to appeal the deportation. They hadn't actually deported you. You were working on appealing it, right? When they gave me that first decision, I appealed and they just went silent. They didn't, there was no response. They just went silent. Obviously, they went silent because both kids were having health challenges. So they went silent. I claimed the hell challenge of my first son. I'm going to come back to my second son. Yeah. My second, start of my second son started from like three months. Yeah. But uh, before now, all through this time, um, I had been, they give us, they give, they give us some like, like pocket money in uh, the camp there. Mm. Like not really money to buy clothing. They just bring some 
most times they bring uh, people donate like second hand clothes and they they bring for us what the money they actually give us was for food like if you need to buy food or sanitary pad and stuff do you know like stupid me instead of me to like actually buy things for myself or buy good food for myself i had the, the my second son was breastfeeding and my first son he, he was young like he didn't eat much so to say so i i could have still like bought toys and things for him but instead of me doing all you know i took this money i went to the western union office and i was sending to my ex Mm. and the reason why i was sending this to him i was like i need help you need to come over this is so much for me i told him about now the the place I had the infection where they caught me, where I had a CS, mm. like it had, it was infected. Mm. It was because infected. Because you weren't resting like, properly. Yeah. You were still doing all sorts of yeah. things. Yeah. And apart, apart from that, like my second son was really big. He was about five kilo when I had him. So my wow. tummy was really, my tummy was big. So like it, it was after the um, caesarean, like my tummy was uh, protruding or what we like say. It was really a after large the band. Back, yeah. It's, it's flopped, yeah, it flapped over the, the, the incision. So like I wasn't getting proper air. Mm. The nurse told me like I have to like, um, I was cleaning it myself. So like I have to hold it up, wipe it and hold it for like an hour for fresh air. I have to do that like three times daily. But I couldn't hold it as long as an hour because I have a child that's crying and needs to breastfeed. And the other one, yeah, my, my second son was not like, he was not really crying like the first, but uh, initially he wasn't crying like the first, but my first son was always crying. Like every 30 minutes, he needed something and he would cry. When he starts crying, it takes hours to calm him down. So I was sending money to my ex in Africa and I'm like, can you go make a passport or something? You know, all the times I sent him money, it's either, oh, somebody duped me. Children. Oh no, you need to, he knew I was desperate for help. I, I needed, like, if he could just come and take care of the boys while I take care of myself. Mm. I, my, 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 I didn't know. When I told the nurse, when I was in the camp then, when I told the nurse to book me for the hospital, he said, no, sorry. Uh, like the funds the camp has doesn't, like you don't have the right to go to the hospital, except it's an emergency, like the emergency of having a baby. And it was an emergency. I had to use all the, it cost, yeah, they, they showed me the, it cost the camp so much. Yeah, because the camp had to pay it. It was EU funding they had to pay through eu funding yeah so like you can't just wake up and like i need to go see a doctor no when you go complain to the nurse they give you paracetamol and that's it except like it's so so bad then this is an emergency yeah back to my second son uh it started about before you sorry before you mentioned your uh rosemary before you go on to your second son um do you want to tell us what the diagnosis is for your first son do you want to name it i'll get okay something okay. yeah so uh, it's your story but i'm just trying to you know bring out where i feel there will be questions and queries in there in the yeah. minds of people I yeah forget. i won't forget them okay so you were talking about your second that. son now 
You said he developed some issues after three months. Yeah. Yeah. When it was about three months plus. Yeah. So he, he, I just noticed that I, I didn't really eat more. I don't eat much then because like I was really like traumatized. I, I was depressed. So like what I do every morning, it's like take a lot of milk in the morning just to have some strength. And also I was breastfeeding. So I just wanted the child to like have some nourishment while I was breastfeeding. So I used to do that every morning. I used to take about half liter of milk. I just drink milk. And sometimes I could just stay like that whole day without feeling hungry because I was really like deep, so depressed. So uh, I just noticed that when I, when I breastfeed this child, then he start crying, and not just crying, like he somebody that's about to convulse, like he's stretching like an epileptic patient or something like that. And and like after like a month, then his skin started breaking and bleeding. So I didn't know what was wrong. But I just noticed that anytime I breastfeed, especially in the morning, from morning till about 12 or one anytime I breastfeed him he starts crying so so bad then towards the evening it reduces so I didn't know what was wrong so um there was this time they wanted to come interview the the a newspaper company wanted to interview someone from the camp and unfortunately nobody spoke English I was the only one so uh, they interviewed me and um, there was this lady that saw me on TV and one day I went to shop and she was like yeah it's you I saw you on TV and we became friends so um, she came to see me one day in the camp and after breastfeeding my son was crying do you know she was like go call the social worker i said it was no use they're not going to do anything she was really mad she took my son from me she actually went to the social worker and she was like oh sorry give him paracetamol there's nothing we can do she was really like angry and she called the ambulance herself she said she's gonna pay if they don't pay she called the ambulance and thank god the ambulance came because by the time the ambulance came my son was almost out of breath wow yeah immediately they had to put oxygen and uh, they kept asking me questions what do you eat did he fall down what is happening after about three hours they're like uh what milk do you give him i said i breastfeed and they started asking questions what time of the day does he cry and somebody just said it might make allergy to me it was strange like what does it mean every child drinks milk what do you mean milk allergy and they started doing a lot of like we stayed there from that morning till the next day Hmm. just trying to find out what is wrong with this child meanwhile i had my second son with me i had no food with me so you can imagine the type of situation i was in so yeah it was then discovered i had um allergy anything that has lactose lactose in it you know like Mm. Yeah. So, yeah. So even while he was growing, when he got six months, when I go to the shop, if you will take 30 minutes to buy things for the whole family, I can take two hours. Because you have to scan all the labels. Mm. (laughs) I have to, and no, they're not written in English. And I didn't speak the language. So I had to go with the dictionary. Oh my goodness. So it's really bad. At a point, I was just buying the same thing, but I was like, no, this child is growing. I can't keep doing the same thing yeah so before yeah. all this had happened yeah. yeah 
Sorry, it's been a while. It's been for two decades. 20 mm. years unaccounted for in my life. When I now discovered he was with... It's not going to be possible. Do you know, when my kids are crying, I just stare at them. I don't pick them up. To me, life meant nothing anymore. That, that, that within, was a real point of depression, you know? Yeah. Mm. You know, within a month after I made that call, within a month after I made that call to him, when I did discovered somebody was with him do you know what happened he showed up at the camp wow he had someone arrived that couldn't get a passport for two years oh no he had arrived in the country country and he called me with a local number so i didn't even know he was the one he had arrived in the country and he called me with a local number i looked at the number i was like where are you calling from he said he's at the capital. He said, so I said, what do you want? He said he wants to come and see the children. I was like, okay. So I had to like beg somebody from the camp to go to the capital to pick him up, which the person did. So uh, usually they don't allow visitors, mm -hmm. but um, at midnight, I was able to like, uh, should I use the word smuggle him into my room? without the security noticing anything and yeah he was there in the room and he was trying to explain what happened that night i said no i don't want to talk i said now that you have come what have you come to do i actually want to know and i asked him a question did you come to stay he said no he can't stay in this type of environment he said he can't stay in this type of environment then that's when he starts talking uh, you know what? Which unfortunately was a relative, a very close relative. To you? I said, yes, was my relative. Yeah. <sighs> and I want to hear from you. Was anybody staying with you? He said, yes. For how long? He said, two days. He said, somebody that could pass for my blood. You staying alone with he, with her for 48 hours. And you think, family said, almost two years. And you're saying almost two weeks. So who do I believe? He said, of course I should believe him. Like, he has this thing to hypnotize you. I don't know. What is the right word? Gaslighting you. These days it's called gaslighting. Mm -hmm. You know, when, when you do something, yeah, when you do something and you make somebody else, else feel yeah. guilty mm -hmm. and make it look like it's their fault, mm -hmm. that's why you made the mistake. It's, it's the person's fault. Like, it's my fault he made a mistake. So I should just ignore. Play the fool for years. And that time uh, this is happening, that was uh, about seven years after I got married. Mm. I'd lived in lies and I was not going to. I said, you've come to see the children. I'm not going to stop you from seeing the children. But just know it from henceforth. We've got nothing to do with each other. I would not stop you from talking to the children. I will not stop you from seeing the children. But just know from henceforth, we are done. We are done. So he, he stayed for a few days, like three, three, yeah, three, three nights. Yeah. Um, plus the night he came, let's say about four nights. The next thing, oh, actually, um, I can't go. I said, okay, does it mean you want to stay? And no, actually, I can't stay. I said, so what do you mean? You my my flight tickets, the the fare, I actually loaned the money and I need to to return it. I said, what has that got to do with me? He said, actually, that's what I mean. Like I can't go because the person seized my luggage and it came with nothing. He said, the person seized this luggage and said, if he doesn't return the money. So I had to cough out the equivalent of about $800. Yeah. Flight I gave him the money. Yeah. Because he said he wanted to return the money and he didn't have any money even to get to the capital, like to, 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 to the airport. Sorry. So mm. I had to give him an extra. 
I just wanted him to go. I just wanted him to go. And at this point, I said, I said something to him. I said, please do me a favor. I don't want anybody to know about this. We are not together. You don't owe anybody. Don't give anybody details. If they are so pressing, just like we decided to go our separate ways, please just do me that favor. Don't tell anybody. Don't give anybody details. And he was like, all right, it's fine. Do you know, this guy went back to Africa. He's got my number. I didn't stop denying access from reaching the children. Your children. Now, so you had this your contact. Mm. I will not call during the day. He will wait till about 12 midnight, one o'clock. And he's calling. And I'm like, you want to speak to the children at midnight? Oh, sorry. I went out. I went out. I'm, I was busy. Initially, yes. Stupid me. I woke up my first son. My my second son was obviously little. He didn't understand. Yes, I woke up young, my first yeah. son. Hey, sorry. Um, I begged him to stay and seek asylum. I begged him. I went on my knees. I begged him. Were you even willing to accept I, him I, back because you felt you needed him? To, no, because no, of no, the no, kids. Because that I didn't want him in my life. But I, I, I did not see myself capable of taking care of the children myself no. it was too much you need mm. my, my first son alone is like a full-time job let alone mm. with a, a it's not that it's like, it is a full-time job you know to have a child you know yeah now and I, I went down on my knees i went down on my knees I showed him my scars. I said, see, if not for anything, please stay and help me. I said, look at our first son. He cannot talk. Look at the second one. He's, get, he's having health challenges. Please help me, please. And he said, and I quote, and as I'm talking to you, mm. he said, and I quote, I have prayed and the Holy Spirit told me to stay in Africa while you people stay here. I said, really? He said, yes. And at that point, because I just, I just, within, within a few seconds, my life just flashed before me. It's like, I have been the one begging him to be in my life all this while. He didn't want to be, mm. he didn't want to be. When he was, when he was, uh, when he, he went for his supposed studies, two and a half years, I was waiting. He was not eager to come back until he was deported. Mm. So it was like, there's something they say in my local language that you can force a camel to the to the river, but you cannot force the camel to drink. So mm. obviously I've been forcing the camel all, all my life. Mm. I can't force the water down his throat. He said he's not drinking. Who am I to force him? At that point, mentally, physically, I just let go. And he went back to Africa. So when he started calling at one, now he calls. And I'm like, the kids are sleeping. Oh, I'm sorry. And at that time, I, I go, I wake up the kids. The next thing, he doesn't really say anything. How are you? All right, take care. Daddy loves you. Then it comes back to me. Uh, you know the business? I said, no, I don't know any business. What are you talking about? Oh, our business? I said, point of correction. I do not have any business. You see everything I left back in Africa, I give them to you. Take everything. I don't mm -hmm. want anything. Mm -hmm. Now, there was this day look at just just remember this is the person that didn't have a passport that suddenly showed up and you know when he came i requested to see his passport 
he, he refused. He refused me saying his passport. That was it. Any day, there was this day he called. Oh, and he said, oh, we had an accident today. So honestly, somebody's like, they have an accident. I was like, oh my God. Hope, um, hope you're okay. Was there anybody in the vehicle? Oh, yeah, yeah. God saved us. It's only our vehicle that got destroyed. I said, our vehicle. Which vehicle? He said, oh, I didn't tell you. We bought a car. I said, all those money I was sending to him, he actually had a car. Oh. Somebody that, if he was really planning to come, then he's buying a car. Mm. Can you see this? He bought a car. And I didn't know about the car. The car had an accident. Honestly, oh. I was so pained that he I said, I wish you had died with it. Like, you, you even have the F on tree. You siphoned money from me. You bought a car. Yep. After that, he came two other times. He still visited you. Were you still in the asylum then? I stayed there for two and a half years. Mm. I was the longest in the history of the camp. Because people stay six months, at most a year, with children, and they deport them. My case was the only one that, like, the social workers... They said it like I broke history. Somebody in the camp for two and a half years, it's not done. Mm. I stayed there for two and a half years. So the first time he came, I'd been given the deportation letter. So the second time he came, guess what? He came and he said, I'm going to the police to tell them I want them to deport you. He said, oh. you're actually telling me it's over because you're here in Europe. If you go back there in Africa, you will not be able to say all this nonsense you are saying. So I'm going to the police to tell them you told them a lie and let them deport you. You know, it was the people from the church that came to beg him. I said, if not for anything, look at these children. They need medical help here. Mm. They need help. Do you have the money to take care of them in Africa? And where is even the facility? Like my, my child had, my second son had to go on special diets, special milk, like in a week. They, um, um, what's the name again? Is it Optamil? Optamil, mm, something mm. like that. Mm. Remember, right? I know that. Yeah. The government, yeah, they didn't give me the money in cash, but mm. like I was given a voucher and it costs 99 euros for one, just for one jar of, yeah, the powdered mm. milk. Mm. Yeah, 99 euros for a week. Wow. My son was big. Euros. Yeah. 99 mm. for a week. And they asked him, can you afford that? As at that point, this man was coming. The place he was staying before we left. So the, the second time he came, he was actually squatting. He didn't have a place. Now, anybody in his right senses would be like, I'm going to spend so much for a tea fair. Can't I use it to fix my life first? He didn't have the money. He loaned some money to come to deport me. <laughs> now... When so the church now told did he him, join immigration? He wants to determine your. When the church pleaded with him, the next thing was asking me for money to pay the people he was owing. I said I wasn't going to give him a dime. I was not going to give him a dime. That's a blackmail. <laughs> no, I was not going to give him a dime. He went back to Africa. By the third time he came back. He said he was going to come with proof and stuff. Now, I time I went to immigration, I told the lie. Mm. But by the second time I was given the opportunity to go back, I had a private lawyer to, that told me, just say the truth. You, you, you either get one of this, a yes or a no. You've gotten mm. a no already. 
So if you get another no, it doesn't make any difference. Just tell them the truth. So when I went to the immigration, I told them my story. The same way I was the same way I'm talking to you. And the lady that was interviewing me, I saw her wiping her tears off her eyes countless mm. times. Mm. At the point she just told me stop. Mm. She just said, stop, don't say anymore. Just stop. Mm. And she went out of the room. She mm. went out for like 30 minutes and she mm. came back to the room. She said, I just want to know about your children. I, don't say anything about yourself again. Mm. What about their health? I, when I told her about the health, she said, can we get papers from the doctors? The doctors. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Oh, I'm having so, goosebumps. I'm just having She didn't even allow me to what I want to say. Yeah. Now you asked, me about, you asked me about my first son. So yeah. actually about my first son, we've been to three different cities, specialists, speech therapists, pediatricians, like different teams in three different cities. Mm. So it's not like the city, like uh, this report was passed to the other. No, three independent diagnoses, like nothing has been found. They all write the same thing. We know something is wrong. Oh, we can't place a finger. They can't, they can't put a medical name to it. No, can't. So that's what I've been battling for years. But the good thing is that... Um, Are you saying up to now begin- there has been no medical diagnosis or description for what he's experiencing? Up, up to today. Except the miracle is going to have happen overnight. But up to this moment I'm talking to you, nothing yet but has there been improvement like is can he speak now has there been changes in his health yeah the good thing is that yeah (laughs) i remember this day very well the day we went for one of the like they took him from me for a week just to observe him. He was in the hospital with them for a week. And after then, uh, I remember a, a team of professionals sat me down, a social worker, and you were like, um, should we start with the good or the bad news? I was like, what do you mean by the good and the bad? Where's my son? Is he alive? Yeah, he's fine. So what's the, the, the good news first? Language. I'm like, sign language for what? I said, the doctor now said, okay, that leads us to the bad news. I'm sorry, your son can never speak in his entire life. Honestly, I broke down. Mm -hmm. I just started crying. Was that bad effect? Were they able to, I mean, were they able to um, find out if it was a bad defect or happen along the way because you said it happened nothing nothing i Mm. gave back to my son in europe nothing was discovered like all the tests shows everything is normal but unfortunately he can never speak again so they said but you know what my son was about four years when I got this diagnosis and like he could never speak again but miraculously at six he just started one day with a baby language and just started talking. So at wow. six and a half, he had the speech of a two-year-old at six and a half. 
I'm not getting support. Reasons. Now, I told you my ex came three times. He didn't succeed in deporting me, but he didn't give up. He came back. Where does he keep getting the money to come to disturb somebody's life? And he's not willing to live his own life. The church, the church he was, he was, all these times I'm talking to you, he's a minister in his church and they were sponsoring him to come. At the point I asked him, I was like, is it that there's nobody's being reasonable in your church or you are not being sensible yourself? Like you don't have a roof over your head. You're paying the amount that is worth the yearly rent of a property to come cause trouble. Now you're not even interested in the kids. It's me you're coming to fight. Like, is there nobody that has common sense in your community where you are to advise you to get Mm. shelter at least for yourself Mm. yeah so um there were times he just showed up at my door causing so much trouble by the time i called the cops the police he's gone Mm. and honestly i didn't feel safe so i had to keep moving changing Houses. Oh, you changing. were giving him your contact because of the kids. No, because no. that's why he was able no, to locate I didn't. you. I didn't. I didn't. Now this is it. You're on social media. Somebody comes to you. Hello, how are you? It's been a while. Um, can I come see you? Of course, like um, I don't have any skeleton. I'm hiding. I don't have anything in my wardrobe. I'm hiding. Somebody, a friend is like, I, I need to come see you. And innocently, you give the person that contact. It gets yeah. to him. He has people monitoring me. Friends monitoring me. Yeah. That's why these days when people slide into my DM, hi, how are you? Uh, can I have your WhatsApp number? I'm like, no, if you can talk to me here, let it be. Mm. I don't give out my details. I don't. Mm. I have had to move four different times. The place where I'm at the moment, I don't have any support. Four different times. Yes. I don't have a support. We will get to that. Yeah. So anyway, he's like, that's going to even shock you yourself. It's going to shock you. So maybe you just sit well. I just sit here. So that you don't fall off the chair. <laughs> In all this, mm. he took me to court in Africa. Where you, where you were based or back in Africa? Back in Africa. He took me to court. And um, I have the documents in my email. But oh, on what base? Me, what was his claim? <laughs> he said, I denied him of sex for years. So he's suing me into thousands, thousands of dollars. The equivalent. Yeah, that's one. Number two, he he accused me of kidnapping the children. That's number two. Number three, um, these are the ones I remember, except I'm going to go into my email. And yeah, this case went on for five years. Wow. I had to pay a lawyer. And all he wanted was for you to pay him, right? (laughs) Yeah. And uh, do you know... I'm going to say this because I'm going to link it up to something else. Do you know 
there's something I needed to say. So, but anyway, we were in court. Initially, I ignored and uh, my brother, I have a brother that is a lawyer that was actually representing me at first. And do you know my ex will go and insult my brother? And my brother was like, I don't want to lose my uh, my respect because I'm tempted to beat this guy up outside. Mm. Um, so it's like, you need to like pay a lawyer to do this. So my brother drops the case. Now, mm. while this was in court, did I tell you that my ex is a pathological liar? Mentioned I mentioned it, it right? He mm. also like hypnotizes. Let me explain. Now, this guy was able to work on my mom. Mm. My mom started putting pressure on me. Oh, you need to go back. I'm like, mom, this thing that even my late father was aware of, you know, not just my late father, my my tribe, my village. Mm. Someone that, they, that was sleeping with your close relative. Mm. They were aware of it, that they even asked them to come to the village for planting, that they had committed a taboo. And these two people refused, they said, they are not going to go to the village, especially my ex. He said he's not going. Now, my mom, oh my days. Like, my mom was walking, how will I say? She was using, like, emotional blackmail. You know, I'm your mother. You have to listen to me. Your father maltreated me. I did not leave. You have to go back if you don't want me to. There we go again. Our mentality of... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> my mother went on for years my mother i don't know how she did real it. emotional blackmail remember mm. my dad was no more my dad my my mom was able to work on my uncles my uncles were always calling me oh no you know in our tradition you can't take the children away you have to give him the children if you say they know definitely i cannot give up the children oh mm. you have to all that you have gone through Mm. You have to give him the children. You know, in our, in uh, according to tradition, a man owns the children. So you have to give him the children. If you don't want to give him the children, you have to go back to him. My sister, do you know, for two years, I was a psychiatric patient. Wow. wow. Yes, I was. The, all those pressure, all those pressure that were heaping on you from home. Yeah, the trauma will be much, you know, the pressure everyone is putting on you. It will make you to even self-doubt yourself if you were doing the right thing, you know? I had suicidal thoughts. There were times I purposely walked into the highway. Wow. I did it on purpose. Oh, no. But I don't know. The cars refused to hit me. Oh, no. No, something happened. Mm. Something happened, and um, something happened when my son, second son, was about three years. Yeah, something happened. So uh, I've I moved to the city, and um, there was this big African church. And remember, I was a teacher, so I was helping out with the children. Can I pause you for a minute? Can I pause you for a minute? Now, you did not tell us how you come to get your stay. I don't want to be left behind. Distance was a friend of mine. Catching breath in a web of lies. I've spent most of my life.
Catching my breath, letting it go Turning my cheek for the sake of the show Now that you know, this is my life I won't be told what's the 